Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. I am your host, Donna O. I wanted to create a podcast that would allow us to see the world through new and different perspectives by having sometimes difficult and challenging conversations by talking about race, gender, lifestyle, health, relationships, and spirituality. If you are ready to begin a journey that will push you to open your heart and push you to change your mind, then please join me on Moving Through and With Heart. And while you're here, enjoy the music written, composed, and performed by Ivan G. Hall. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Donnie O, and my pronouns are she, her. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. It's a new year, yay! And I know that 2020 was challenging, but I'm so, so hopeful for 2021. I have my list and I'm planning on creating a lot of new things and experiences for myself. 2020 really taught me that I have to be in charge of my own life and my own destiny, that it's really up to me. I found my voice and a newfound power and I got more creative. And I just really hunkered down to discover so many new parts of myself. I hope that you too can find inspiration in 2021. In this episode, I'm joined by Zai Bull and their mother, Abby. Zai has been on a couple of my other podcasts where we talked about gender, pronouns, and being transgender. If you haven't listened to those episodes yet, I urge you to do so. They were so informative and so helpful. I personally learned so much about creating safe space for trans, queer, and non-binary folks. Through the growth of my friendship with Zai, I met Zai's mom, Abby. I actually met Abby on Instagram. We just struck up a conversation and started to get to know each other. Abby is someone that I find such a pleasure in getting to know. She moves through the world offering and demonstrating compassion and unconditional love for others without judgment. And I'm honored to call her my friend. I thought that it would be great to have both Zai and Abby on the podcast to talk about how Zai came out to their mom being transgender and what it has been like hearing and accepting that Zai is trans from a mother's perspective from Abby. If you know or suspect that your child is trans, then you will not want to miss this conversation. What I was not aware of until after this conversation was that this was the first time that Zai and Abby were having parts of this discussion which I am so honored to be a part of. If you listen to this story, I ask you to do so with an open heart. I mean, y'all, this is move through and with heart. So please try to have an open heart and open mind. And notice if you step into a place of judgment and try your best to release it. Can you see parts of yourself or your life experience in them? Can you take part of their story of love and compassion and acceptance and apply it to your own. Although stories at times define us, we always have the chance to rewrite them. So maybe today will be the day for you to rewrite parts of your story. I just want to say, I find both your stories so interesting and there's so much to talk about as I coming out to your mom is trans. Um, And at first I was thinking that I should just talk to you, Abby, but then I decided that 
I really wanted people to hear their story of a mom um, and her, and I will say offspring, as I share one time, the offspring. I wanted to really share that relationship and the acceptance and the love that the two of you have, because I think you have such a beautiful relationship just by having conversations with both of you about each other. And I know that we, I can talk to both of you all day long, but I thought that we could start maybe with you, Abby, and maybe you could share a little bit of the story about how Zai came out to you and what that was like for you. Now, there's a question. <laughs> I can't remember how Zai came out to me. <laughs> I really remember how it happened, but it, it just seemed like there was a, I remember the gradual learning progress, which I'm still involved with now. I, re- I remember, you know, about Zion dating her partner, that the, her partner went out to, to see her in, in Montreal. I think that's when it was just sort of gradually sort of creeping up onto me that, that, that this was a thing. And I don't know, it just, I don't remember it bothering me at all. This, this is just a, okay, so that's, that is. The, the one thing that I did have a difficulty with was... Um, <laughs> non, non-binary? Non-binary. <laughs> non-binary. I'm sorry. It was, a, it, was a re, it was really hard for me to sort of attach onto this thing because I just didn't get it, didn't know why it had to be a thing. In my, in my experience, uh, you know, when I'm on the phone, people always think I'm male. They, you know, I'm, I'm always mistaken for that. I'm not your typical girly girl Kind of, kind of person. I like to climb trees. I like sports. And, you know, people used to say about me and uh, Zion's father that we should switch roles. You know, him being more the motherly type and me being more the fatherly type because I was always the one romping around with, with the kids. And not being the nurturing, motherly, book reading. I just, I'm just not that person. But I never, I never sort of felt like I, you know, I have to change my gender to, to me, it's like, I'm me and just like, suck it up, whatever people's, I'm, you know, I am a woman. So I didn't think it was a, a thing. I didn't see why, why there had to be a change. You just be who you are and other people just do whatever. So Zai coming up insisting on these gender, um, you know, being referred to as them, that was, I'm still learning that one. I still mess up all the time. And then the thing is, I'm practicing with my friends at work. And then when somebody comes in and says, why are you saying they, them, or I correct myself, it's not, oh, it's not, not her. It's, oh, it's they, it's them. And then it brings it into this whole other conversation now about what, why? And then it goes into a conversation about non-binary instead of what I was talking about. Mm. <laughs> it's a really, really frustrating thing. It really like, you know, after a while, it, it gets really irritating. It's like, wait. That's not what I was talking about. I was talking about this thing. And then I have to, I get distracted super easy, which I, I hope you appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> that's, you're probably like, like, even, even say simple things like I went to the bank the other day to open up an account. Who are you dependents going to be? Um, is this your son or your daughter? And I'm going, no, neither, not neither. It's, uh, and she's going, what? It's my kid. And, and then they said, oh, and the person's like looking at me just, just going, what? And I'm going, they're, they're non, non-binary, neither. No, just child. 
Yeah. So now you're like, it's like, it sounds like now you're like plays and position. You feel like you have to explain to the world and why should you have to do that? And you don't want to do that because the world hasn't caught up with where your life is of having to define or, you know, it's like this, I, I can totally see it's like kind of, what do you have to do there? Right. Yeah. Right. I get it. That is really interesting because it's like, why do we have to tell anyone that someone of who you are Listening to this part of Abby's story, it really made me think of all the ways that we are programmed to utilize language. What happens when we do not have the language to define something? It's as if the brain begins to have a hiccup. It cannot process what it doesn't know. And anyway, why do we need to explain ourselves to people? Why is it we are conditioned to be in positions that we feel like we need to explain ourselves or who we are, or explain our, our identities. What is that really about? I definitely don't like having, you know, being slotted into any particular role. And I just, I, you know, for me, it's, that's just who I am, you know. Um, and I don't, I don't really feel the need to explain anything to anybody. Just uh, that, so, so, it's that, so that was really hard for me to understand why Zai had to do that. <laughs> Like, you know, so it's, a, it's all a learning process. You just have to, it's like learning how to snowboard or something. You're going to fall a million times before you learn how to carve properly. Yeah, I get it. I would say even for myself, I tend to be, I am very feminine, right? So I embrace the feminine, I'm that feminine one person. But at the same time, one of my challenges in relationships has always been because I don't like to define myself either. And I actually can't stand the traditional roles in relationships that the woman does this and the man does that. Um, because even though I'm super feminine, I was not that typical nurturing mm. woman either. Do you know what I mean? So I always struggle with that because if it, when you think about defining the roles as female, like I don't want to be, I cannot stand. I always say I'm not a domestic goddess, even though I'm a great cook. I do not want to be expected to do that. I cannot stand the cleaning. I can't stand any of the roles that women are supposed to play. I just don't enjoy them. <laughs> even though I'm, I'm with the, you there. Yeah. So I totally, totally get it. Yeah. I completely get that. I can't keep thinking of how we consider gender and gender roles. I personally have always struggled with society's ideas of what roles each gender should play. If a woman wears pants, does it make her a man or masculine? And if a man wears a skirt, does that all of a sudden make him feminine or female? As you continue to listen, consider your own conditioning for gender roles. How have they been conditioned by society? Do you like them, accept them, or want them to change? Remember, change begins with self. Not so to I, say that I'm not going to be, you know, glam queen sometimes right. or totally rocket. Right. Hello. Everybody, you know, everybody's got their quirky thing about them. Why can't we just accept people as people? Yeah. You know, I I don't understand it. But anyway, because um, this is something that I appreciate I make the effort because the bottom line, you know, I just want to, to show how much I love and you know, I'm trying to, to do things that don't always uh, manage to do it because when I'm in the, the, the passion of conversation, 
that stuff just kind of goes, <laughs> this is the problem. When I'm in the passion of a conversation, I'm talking about something and then I'm starting to use she and her and then I'm just tripping up over the thing. And then I can't just get out what I want to say because I'm tripping over the damn mm. pronouns. And it's almost like you wish that, I wish that I spoke some kind of language where we didn't have those pronouns so I don't have to trip all the time because it's like mm. messing up my delivery. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I will say I'm, I had to do this introduction twice because I tripped over it. Even though I have always known Zai is them, they, I still tripped over it. And I just want to beat myself up for every time I do that because I hate that I do that. So I can appreciate that. Yeah. Particularly hard because I've been calling Zion, she, her for 25 plus years, or, or I guess it's less than that. But, you know, it's really hard to, to sort of break, break out of a habit. And I find that when I'm just talking about other members of the family who are not gay or, or trans, like I'd be talking about Zion's cousin and, and I'm using they, them with, with that. And it's like, yeah, no, no that one's a she. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know anymore. <laughs> I find myself, at, you know, at work, I'm, I'm the person that when people arrive at work, I give out ID badges and things like that. So I'm, in, I'm like one of the first contacts of people coming into to where I work and I refer to all of them as they them or try <laughs> because because it's like I I actually don't know <laughs> I don't know anything Whoa. about you so I'm trying with the they them nice there. it's hard because I it, in a way it's easier because I don't have I don't have a set agenda with them so I could say they them for those people because I don't know them that's awesome but but with I I know them <laughs> and I've known them for a long time as the, the she, her, and the, that's harder. Yeah, because you know? it's like you can be conditioned for one thing and then you're changing. I love the fact that you're using the they, them with people you don't know, like just automatically stepping into creating that safe space because you don't know and it gives them an opportunity that they don't even have to define themselves as a certain gender if they don't want to. They just know that you're automatically accepting who they are. I think that is really fantastic. Like, mm -hmm. I love that. That's really great. What about you, Zai? Do you remember when you told your mom what that was like for you? Yeah, I remember exactly when I told her. <laughs> Zai's desire to share with their mom is not necessarily the normal. In having these conversations with people that are trans, I have learned that quite often many transgender people choose not to share with their families for various reasons. Please do not be angry if someone in your life is trans and they choose not to discuss it with you. Came out maybe like three or four years ago to my friends, maybe even a little bit longer than that. I came out as she and them for a little while just so I could hear the they, them. And if if I wasn't comfortable with it, maybe like go back because I knew I knew that I was gender neutral or like not like non-binary for a really long time like since I've been a kid because I just like I was a super tomboy I like I liked everything you know I like to be super glamorous I like to be rolling around uh in the dirt I like to wear I had like these special clothes that I would wear that the were Indian dresses. Yeah, the little Indian and dresses. Shoes. But, and, but but also I had these like really baggy overalls that I like to wear and this like little funky Andre 3000 
hat that I like to wear because like, I wanted to look like Andre 3000. Like, so I always knew that I was like all over the map gender wise, but I had no language to describe that. When then I, you know, came out to friends and I heard them refer to me as such. And it was like very affirming. And I was like, oh, like, oh, shoot. Like this is like, that is way more who I am. So what happened was I went on a trip to go visit family, my mom's side of the family. I wanted to come out to my cousins. I just, I wanted to share it with someone in my family to test the waters and see if I would be accepted or not. And so I went over there and I told my cousin, my younger cousin, Destiny, uh, and she was like, dude, yeah, that makes sense completely. And I told my cousin, Ben, who is definitely more conservative. And he was like, oh yeah, you've always been stealing my clothes and whatever, like playing the video games with us. Yeah, it makes sense. Totally. Notice how Zai's story of sharing who they are with a family member is really a story of acceptance. When we can create a space of acceptance, we can allow others to be who they are. Mom took me and Destiny to the fashion district. And what happened was in LA, you have to drive forever to get anywhere. So we had all this time in the car to talk. And so that was when I explained to her that I'm non-binary. And you had backup because you had destiny. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I, she and she was very quiet during the conversation, but she she was nodding, you know, she was there. And I remember you were like, huh. <laughs> but but you also it's funny because what you were saying about yourself and your gender presentation and stuff was very much the same you were like I remember you were like well does that make mean I'm non-binary and I was like this is the question I was this like this is the question if that's, <laughs> if that's what you feel like then yes like it's up to you but for me that is my that's my truth and I remember we also talked about bathrooms that day because we were talking about like gender neutral bathrooms and you were like, well, I don't see any reason why there should be gendered bathrooms. And that's just stupid. And you know, you were all for it. <laughs> so that was the first time that I like t told you that. And I remember like at that point, even though like you, you couldn't get the pronoun whatsoever and it was maybe like a percentile frustrating. I knew that like, I was like, okay, this is something that could be worked on. If you are a parent of a transgender child or are discovering the possibility that your child might be trans or non-binary, I invite you to create a space of non-judgment and acceptance so that they might be able to share with you who they are. Try not to push, but do try to be patient. It's do you know how many times I got fired as a mom for getting the wrong pronoun? Damn. I'm sure. Well, listen, yeah. <laughs> this... Especially in the beginning, right? <laughs> so, so I will I'm say... I'm still getting fired. <laughs> our, relationship, our relationship has not always been as good as it is now. In fact, there was like a really, really tough time where we didn't talk... Well, I didn't talk to you for a, a while because it started to, you know, one year in... Papa, 
wasn't getting it either. Are you talking about one year into you coming out being non-binary? Okay, got it. So one year in, neither of them, neither of my parents were getting it. And I started to be like, okay, like you got to try harder because one year in, I'm all of my friends. It only took all of my friends a week. Can I ask you how old you were when that happened? Um, As a parent, I just need to know, like, what was the age? 22, 23. So then, so then at that point at one year in, I was like, okay, this is like, I need you to try a little harder. And I think one thing that was missing, if I can interject here, you with your friends, you're seeing them all the time. Whereas with us, you're not seeing us all the time. We're not interacting with you every day. That was one thing that I, I thought, well, this is a little bit unfair because it's like I if I if I were doing it every day that would be if I talk to Zion every day that would be a thing okay we'll get it but if you're just talking once a week so for my I also think it's also think 20 that's why I asked you how old you were because I think at 22 23 is a normal age where you really start separating from a parent and you're really discovering who you are as an adult and so at that age Often, I think around that age, often, you know, everything a parent does is wrong anyway. So there's going to be some kind of fallout with your parent kind of around that age anyway, because you are also becoming more grounded and discovering who you are as a person. And the parent knows you as who you were, or they know another other parts of you versus the ones you're discovering that you don't feel really feel completely grounded and comfortable with being with the parent. Right. So we all have to go through that separation with our parents. So it just seems natural that that happened in a way as well. And you had to come full circle for you can come back to your parent. You know what I mean? If you think of it in energy terms, you have those cords attached to your child through that second chakra. It has to get cut off and that's really painful. So the parent gets pissed off. The kid's pissed off. Everyone's like at each other because that separation has to happen for you to become your own person. So it makes total sense that even at 22, 23, which is a normal time where we really start taking care of ourselves, right? In some respects that you'd be like, well, you're not getting that. I'm over it because my friends are doing it for me. So I'm going to be with my friends instead of with my family too, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just, it was frustrating because it did, it got to a point where it was like, okay, it's a, it's been a whole 365 days since I, I told you both this and it was both of them that were getting it wrong. And what mom doesn't see or hear is that I have also had those angry conversations with papa as well Mm -hmm. so I gave him a talking to I was like listen like and for context papa my father is is a gay man so I I said look like you're repping the community too and like you're doing a bad job if you know like you gotta get on this and he just was like oh shoot then at that point it took it took mom longer to get there because at that point he was like shit like I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my kid like if I don't get with the program and maybe I don't know if he remembers it as so harsh but I remember I remember being like you have to start getting this I can't deal with this anymore then it took mom probably two years and that's where we didn't talk for a long time because basically it came to a point where I just seemed Mom was like, well, this is like your hobby. And I was like, no, this is literally like who I am. And you came around and then 
I don't know what happened. It was like, I talked to, I was really mad. Papa did do a lot of mediating. I know that, but mm. at some, it just happened that I could see your effort saying like, let's put our pronouns into the ends of our emails and stuff like that. So that effort made a huge difference to me because it felt like, even though like, I know that not everyone's going to get it. That is totally fair. Like you don't have to get it. Just, just call me by the right thing. And I don't give a shit, but I could see that it really was starting to actually matter and that she could understand that like it's not just about a technicality it's about like the way that trans people are treated completely in general and I understand anyway that you get that like normalizing this stuff just completely changes the game for for all trans people, binary or not. I know at one point mom also said it, it would be easier if I were doing like a full tra binary transition. So transitioning from female to male, that it would have been easier because of the, the visual, more visual aspect. And why is, but why is that easier? Because I don't even remember saying this, but because to be easier because you would still be a them, they non-binary. So you're still not switching from she, you're not moving from she, her to oh. he, him. You're Mom still at the, you know what I mean? Yeah. She said, if you were going to be, it would like mm -hmm. if, so if I were like, I'm he, him. And like, she was able to see like, okay, like I'm taking hormones. I'm growing a beard. I I've got a top surgery. Then I would look completely different. That's what you were saying a lot. It was a long time ago. I don't I even remember. remember. Yeah. I remember you saying that because you were yeah. like, well, then what you couldn't understand was that in between. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what you were saying because well, it's it very hard when, when, uh, when I'm, when I'm looking at you, uh, you know, when you, when you sort of got the glam on and the earrings and the, you know, the makeup and, and the all to, to sort of not because it looks, it looks like a feminine thing that I get frustrated you know, even for myself, if, if, if somebody thinks that I'm dressing in a manly way or a, like, I don't, if, so if I, if I decide to dress up in the, in the sweatpants and the whatever people, what is male? What the hell is that? You know, why, why, you know, why is it the, 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 the short hair and the, and, and the wearing of clothes is, is that the thing that makes you manly? I don't get it. Abby makes a great point. What is male? What is female? Is it clothing that defines the gender? Should things and conditioning of props or so-called societal norms dictate our gender, or should it be how we feel inside? I ask you to dig deep and ask yourself this question. Do you really know the answer, or is it simply what you have been taught? I think women have been exploring that for a long time, right? You know, since forever, you know, women wearing pants and during an age where we weren't supposed to wear pants ever, you know, the one woman said, mm -hmm. I'm going to wear pants. I think, I think that, you know, the, the interesting part of this conversation is really kind of exploring gender in a different way, because it's like, well, what is really male and what is really female? And the way I see non-binary is, is, is really someone choosing that I don't have to be either. I can be male and female. I can wear whatever I want. I can feel however I want. I can be whatever I want. And 
you know, it's removing our ideas of gender completely and just deciding to be. We're just going to be who we are, period, and not having to choose. We just, in some respects, get really conditioned in gender. And I think, Di, your generation has come and said, we don't need to be conditioned in gender. Like you don't, like your generation has said so much of, we don't need to be conditioned in anything. If you really think about it, I think we're born into families that we have for a reason, like to teach us these really great lessons. I mean, Zai, you were born into the perfect family that can help you move into who you really want to be. And Abby, you have Zai as a mirror going, hey, you know, yeah, that's right. I haven't really been living any particular certain gender. I just want to be. And really all mm-hmm. Zai is asking for is to be, right? Really. I mean, when you get down to it, how can you just be without having to think about being in alignment with anything particular? You know, when I when I think about Zai, it's sort of like Zai is like me times like say two or three. Yeah, I can see that. But the thing is I because because the the kind of the kind of passion she they <laughs> do it again pursue their 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 their, their passions and looking for the, the force that i had you know pursuing my passions was within a fairly strict religious organization and i was forever pushing boundaries in there but it was just kind of limited to the you don't want to push too hard to push yourself outside those those boundaries so for instance uh, you know speaking about the religious organization when i was about nine years old i think eight or nine uh, i was living in guyana that's where i where i grew up and uh i was wearing a pair of jeans playing in my yard with my dog and one of the uncles came over to visit and uh he started calling me a boy he says oh i see you're, you're a little boy I'm going, what are you talking about he says, well, look you're a boy because you're wearing pants and i'm just going like teens, I'm playing, you know, you just think like, what? <laughs> you said, well, you're a little boy. I'm not a little boy. I'm a little girl, but you're wearing pants. And I'm just thinking, I'm sure mom bought this in the girls section of the store. Like, I, <laughs> why is it a, why is it a thing? And then me sort of realizing that there was this thing about like, you couldn't, um, your pants, well, you wouldn't wear your jeans to church because, you know, church, you dress up to go to church and me dressing up was wearing the jeans, I didn't see it as a boy thing or it's just a, a thing. You play in the yard, you you want to wear something like that because your, your panties will show. You don't want to be romping around. <laughs> like, I just didn't see it as a as a gender thing. So from right there, I'm starting to rebel. Just going, this is stupid. It's not a boy's thing. It's not not a who rules thing. I was, I was to be playing with... You know, I, I was the one digging holes in the yard with the, with the dog or, you know, running around playing ball or volleyball or something. I was, like, very active. I never fit the norm. I never really sort of had the urge for someone to, to sort of... My, I think my, my urge was just, just accept me as who I am. Don't, don't say that, you know, girls can't climb trees. Girls can climb trees. Girls can swim. I did all of those things that girls were not supposed to do. I had three brothers, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn that that kind of stuff, and just not wanting to be sort of put in a box. I had things where my brothers were saying, "Oh, by the time you're 16, you're gonna be wearing all this makeup, and you'll be all the lipstick and all this kind of stuff." And I think it's because they said that. I don't do that. Like, don't define me. I'm not. No, I, and I actually don't like it anyway. 
not to say that I can't glam it up without wearing the makeup. I can do that. I don't have to do it according to others' rules. So, but I don't think I I pushed it on people that you have to address me in a, in, in a particular way. Like I didn't make rules for other people. It was just I was just sort of forging my own way. So when Zaya is coming and saying, "No, you got to use these pro- pronouns," no, uh, you know, dress masculine, which. Uh, neither masculine or feminine unless you draw a mustache onto yourself like that that may be more masculine but you know wearing a suit i don't see it as masculine it's just a suit okay you're wearing a suit so it's a little bit hard for me to sort of understand totally where where um zion is going with that can, and why the I force but you, i understand the force yeah do you think that glam someone who's glammed up is feminine though because um, you, you continue I think, to say i guess that- i think so yeah, so With the earrings so and all that kind of things. So that, that, that to is, me is more feminine, but mm. so but you yeah. don't think that wearing pants is masculine. So why do you think that? Like, so you see what I'm saying? You have these expectations yeah. for what feminine is, but you don't for what masculine is, and so that's what I'm wondering if you could deconstruct. You see, right? I think that yeah. also comes from being a strong woman because. I think also as black women, because if I if, if I may just for a second, you know, we have had to be really strong in a way that a lot of times we're seen as the aggressive, intense ones, uh, mean, angry, but really strong. And I mean, I was told by one time a boss that I was very masculine. And it was because of my strength that I seemed very masculine to her. Meanwhile, I really don't move within a masculine world, but because I am like a very strong, you know, sometimes seems to be a very powerful black woman, I'm seen all of a sudden because of that. And I don't, and I kind of say what I want, say what I'm thinking and make decisions for myself that I'm seen as more masculine by someone else. So I think that, we kind of, it's almost the same thing when you look at any type of hierarchical structure of power where you see yourself in that um, structure of power or in alignment, any in the lineage or line of power that we feel okay with masculine because we are strong and we have a representation of male being strong. And I think sometimes feminine for us is also can be seen as weak that, do you know what I mean? So we have stronger ideas of what masculine Mm. is, but we don't have as strong ideas of what feminine is because of that. Does that, am I making any sense? Yes. And I will give you an example where I growing up was told, oh, like natural is more beautiful and like you shouldn't wear makeup because your natural beauty is, is wonderful, which is great. But the makeup was never until more recently seen as like a powerful thing that I did. And and that was the messaging between you and I, like mm-hmm. you would always be like, well, like, you know, makeup covers up the natural beauty, but, but then not till later, and and you started to understand that makeup was a superpower for me. So, mm-hmm. like, I think that um, I see the the way that, like, 
your vision of like masculinity is like uh degendered but not femininity mm. like there's a double yeah. standard happening there where like if i were born um assigned male and i were wearing like dresses now and lipstick and stuff i think you would have an easier time because it's more socially unacceptable for men or people who are born assigned male to to dress feminine and thus they stick out more in society so i i believe anyway that you would be having an easier time to understand non-binary in that sense because of how you categorize what is feminine lipstick makeup dresses skirts so so that's visually yes visually visually but uh yeah i'm not sure if there's another side to that like i I don't know i don't i don't particularly look at feminine as being weak no but but not even not even of a weakness like taking the weakness out just just how you define femininity where you're like you were just saying like five minutes ago, like what hmm. is what is masculinity? Well, yeah. What is being a man? But when it comes to that other side, you have a block there. And yeah. that's why I think like sometimes you have trouble with like the she, her, and me, because like I I refer to myself as a twink. That's and a twink is a gay man who is very um flamboyant. That's what you would call a twink. And that's, that's the way that I see my gender. I see myself as like a very masculine person who loves to get glammed up. And, and that's like where I see myself sitting in there is like my regular day to day is like this, like no makeup and like, I don't know, maybe this, whatever, some like pants and some loose shirt or whatever. But when I get like super glammed up that is like it's like drag for me we are so conditioned to what gender is that we do not even think about it think about your conditioning of gender what is it most likely it is a stereotype and really doesn't necessarily pertain to gender at all what makes a woman a woman what makes a man a man is it behaviors clothing actions looks here's an example Quite often in positions of leadership, women receive feedback that they need to change their delivery or how we speak to people. Men aren't given that type of feedback. Why? When a woman is driven for success or has direct or is direct in her approach, quite often she is perceived as more intense, mean, aggressive, rude, uncaring, and insensitive. However, for a man, he is just a man and the same attributes and behaviors are accepted. Women need to step into so-called masculine energy in order to be taken seriously, but still are judged harshly when they do. Women will be seen as cold and disconnected. Perhaps we do disconnect. However, when we display our emotions or are seen to be caring, we're often seen to be too soft or incapable. There is still not a balance between feminine and masculine, especially for black women. We are often labeled as mean and aggressive or angry. We are conditioned as a society to see the feminine and masculine from the lens of white patriarchal society. 
we must recognize this conditioning in order to accept trans, gay, and non-binary people. I think in religion too, like growing up super religious really, really enforces that. Mm-hmm. If even, and again, it's like a lot of subconscious like reinforcement, mm-hmm. like the way Donna, you were talking about how like black women in society can be perceived as like masculine. I grew up witnessing mom experiencing that all the time at church, like completely. Yes. Like, and that's where people would be like, Oh, like you and Aaron, um, my dad, like should switch genders. And like, I also had the, the same kind of treatment, like growing up, I, mom knows I was kicked out of like three different camps, um, Mm. for, for all for like different reasons or like, not like, necessarily following the rules like I wouldn't wear pants to um or sorry I wouldn't wear a skirt to a service oh because we were camping and I was like I'm not gonna wear a skirt camping like I don't want to get dirty I want to wear pants and they were like and I purposely didn't bring I didn't bring any skirts Mm. they were like you have to leave and then I was like okay I'll just wait on the side of the road until it's over and I can get a ride home because <laughs> because we're on an island, right? And like my parents can't pick me up. And then they were like, well, I guess you can stay till the end of the weekend, but you are not welcome back. Those kinds of standards were put onto like me and, and my cousin Kasai, but we were always like, you know, getting in trouble and what we did. So neither of us brought skirts that time. We both just brought pants. We were told to borrow skirts from the other girls in your cabin so what we did was we kept our pants on, we borrowed skirts, put oh, them on. Oh, I vaguely on. remember this. Yeah, we put, put them on over, over <laughs> top of our pants. And then the second the service started, like, so you get up to sing the hymn and that's the first thing you do. We just took off the skirts and like looked at the dude who told us to put them on and winked. So I think it's interesting. You both ha- grew up having experiences that made you really begin to think about gender. Didn't even realize it. And then... Um, Zai, you are non-binary, but you were always your whole life being forced to look at gender in ways that made no sense to you. And Abby, you had similar experiences growing up questioning like what is really female and what is male or feminine or masculine or what have you. So I find that you both seem to have um, similar experiences. Have you realized that and really ever connected about that before or is this kind of like the first conversation you're really having about gender and what gender is I just never thought of it as gender thing I was just like I could just wear whatever the hell I want leave me alone yes you did I I don't think you were I I was really annoyed that people would call me sir over the phone that's really annoying but then sometimes sometimes it would be to my advantage and I just let them think that you know like if I'm on reception and somebody's referring to me as sir and they're coming in to, you know, to, to tell somebody off, you know, they're, they're going to come in looking for a guy and it's going to be me. And it's like, you know, I have no idea who you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that service voice. You know, I will say though, the gender has been a topic of conversation in our house for a, way longer than you probably remember, because our, my brother, Yasha, he used to get misgendered all the time when we were growing up. 
because he had a really high yeah he had a really high voice and again like with the the lack of gender roles in our family like gender has been a really big topic of conversation for a long time it's just I think that it wasn't in the same way that we're having it now because there wasn't as much language that we had access it just was it just was something that was it's not like you ever really picked it apart or unpacked totally yeah but like yeah we it was a topic it's just in your mind you're like well I was just being but well you were being and other people around you were like what I didn't realize they were doing the wet. It's like, you know what? Get over yourselves. But you did. You did. Because you'd be like, everybody calls me sir on the phone. Or yeah. that's, my, that's my son. That's like, that's my son. He's a boy. So, so you were, it's just maybe you weren't like thinking about it, but it was happening a hundred percent. So, and in my world, especially being queer, I all of a sudden discovered this world that had all this language for what I was feeling. Whereas in your world, still still being and identifying, I assume as a cisgender heterosexual woman, you mm. haven't had to or haven't had the opportunity to have any of these conversations like as in-depth as I have gotten to in my community. So I think that also like, makes the difference too is like I all of a sudden have all my view went from being pink and blue to being a whole damn rainbow of of options so here's the thing with the pink and blue thing when you guys were were growing up I mean I was determined not to have those roles of the you know the truck and the dolls we didn't have that kind of thing really you know it was just like uh I didn't dress you know Zion and pink and Yasha and blue. It was always like fun colors of everything. The toys were anybody could play. It was not a, the kind of toys that, okay, this is only for girls or this is only for boys. Like I really, it was almost an effort thing that I just didn't do that because I was not like that. But I didn't, because I, I didn't like, I didn't like the, the separation of, of roles like that. You learned how to cook with with your dad. You know, we had the little kitchen thing. It was, but it was not a, you know, only Zion gets to play in the kitchen. Like, you know, I, yeah, I, I just totally understand. I didn't do that for my um, daughter either. I pretty much let her lead me whatever she wanted to do. I, didn't, I, I really was really conscious as a parent. I didn't want to define her in any way possible. I don't know if she would say that completely, but I know for me, that's what I was trying to do as much as possible. Is I wanted her to really discover who she was and be whoever she was, whatever that looked like the same way. So she all she had all different types of toys. But I think from this experience, you know, having these conversations, even I've my I've myself have had have sat back and questioned, you know, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to feel feminine? What does it mean to feel masculine? What does it mean to be under of the either of the roles? And do I feel like a female? Like it's not something I ever thought about, you know what I mean? So it's like, well, do I feel like a f- female? I mean, surely I love makeup and getting my nails done and all those things, but how does that feel as far as a feeling, you know, really trying to identify that. And I, when I first discovered the term gender fluid, I'm like, oh, they th- I thought I was like, oh my God, that's such a cool 
idea of being able to just move in with this fluidity of being anything and moving back and forth. And I think, am I that? I'm like, I would really like to be that. Like, but I'm not probably really that because I am not really into any things that someone would be considered masculine, so to speak. And my clothing is not necessarily that either. So I just think it's just a very... And, and I will also say that it's been challenging for me too to change my thinking to using different pronouns. And I, I heard you mention earlier, Abby, that you felt like um, being forced to having to use certain language. And I had a con- my own conversation with Zai and Georgie about how I was feeling very, I was really annoyed because I did not want to introduce myself in my pronouns. I didn't know why I had to do that all of a sudden. And I felt like I finally got to a point where I was really self-accepting of myself. And why do I now have to announce myself to the world kind of thing? I've also had my struggles with now I have to use this certain language and I have to identify people and identify myself. And I don't want to do that. I just want to be. I just want to be in the world. I don't want to have to do anything specific. I just want to be in the world and just be accepting of everybody and let that be okay. You know, what would you say to a parent that some their child is now discovered that they're non-binary out there, they're trans and, and wanting to share that and wanting to, um, their parents to use pronouns, like what would you share with them to make it easier? Or is there anything you could share with them to help them be more accepting of that? I would say... In the case of any child or any other person, you have to love people where they are because people will go through all kinds of stages. Um, you know, you go from the from the toddler that starts saying no to the to the to the kid that's just sort of you know working out where you know if they want to play ball or if they want to play with the Barbies to the to the defiant teenager that's telling that telling you that you're stupid you know, to the kid, everybody's going through the different stages. I think you just have to love people where they are. And that's, I mean, that's my, my, um, that's my, my go-to. I mean, they're going to do stuff and it may, it may be upsetting to you, but here's the thing, they're living their truth and that's what you would want. I wouldn't want anybody to lie to me. Just be who you are. Feel free to be who you are with me and I will try my best to to show that I am accepting and loving. How do you All you can do is try. That? But how do you move through that as a parent? Because I will say that I would think that there's got to at some point be a little bit of mourning of, you know, we have as parents ideas of who we want our children to be or hope they're going to grow up, but we have ideas in our minds of what we want their futures to be. And then they come and they share a story that maybe completely throws all of it out the window um, as far as even their identity. So we're not just talking about, you know, we want them to become a doctor and they decided they want to be a singer, right? It's like now their identity, how do you emotionally and mentally grapple with that and shift through that? So you know, was there some mourning for you first that you went through and then got to a place of acceptance? Like, do you remember what that was like for you and how you were able to move that through that or any tools that you used to move through that? I think one of the things that I think about is how would I, I mean, I know that I have changed over the years and um, how did I feel when other people reacted to me 
going through the change and what kind of things did I want. And I think the bottom line is people just want to feel loved. The thing is, I don't really have any expectations for my kids, except that I always still do watch the end credits of the movies because I'm thinking that the kids' names will be... (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking that the kids' names are going to be in the credits someday. We still have a lot of time. (laughs) But that... That's like the only, that's like, that's like the only thing, but you know, it's they're like, both they, artists. Is that it? They're both artists. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're okay. both, they're both these creative geniuses. And I'm, I'm, I know that I, I have laid two golden eggs here and they are going to totally prosper. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, however they navigate what they're doing is, is how they're the only people that know how to do what they do. Only Zion knows how to operate Zion and navigate where, where they're going to go. Only Yasha knows what he's, what he's going to do. Now, I mean, you, you sit there and you try and try and prod. If it looks like they're not moving enough, you, you, you try and realizing that that's not for that kid. Or you realize years down the road, it really wasn't for that kid. I shouldn't have done that. So, I, I mean, it may sound like a wishy-washy thing. Show love. All people want is is to be loved, and you know, as long as you you're not, you know, murdering somebody or, you know, <laughs> that that's the thing where I draw the line. If you're lying and cheating and stealing, that nah, I got something to say about that. But come on, you know, come on. But uh, who you are in terms of masculine, feminine, spiritual, it's not. That's nothing to do with me. Do you, you think know, your upbringing? Um, um, I'm not sure what religious organization you actually grew up on, and I'm not sure if you want to share any of that, um, but do you think that that contributed to your thinking of more acceptance? No. no. <laughs> okay. Sometimes no people feel they have a spiritual, something spiritual help them be more open in their hearts. So. Uh, yeah, definitely not um, a religion thing. So then I would say then your experience growing up in that, religious organization did set you up for this because it shows you everything that you don't want to be and pushed you to the edge of doing things differently um, for your children, for yourself and your family. So that experience said, oh, heck no, and prepared you for more acceptance with Zai because you had to redefine gender for yourself and really just, I just want to be, I just want to be in the world. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. I don't want anyone to define what that looks like for me. And so you went through your own awakening of that, that allowed you to be in a position to be more accepting and loving to Zai, I think. That's how I see it. Yeah, that's that's a possibility. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely feel like I grew up knowing that like my parents were rebels and that that meant that I was too. I think that what I have learned from all the conversations I've had so far with Zai and everyone is that this is such a deeply spiritual journey. You know, it really, really is. And, you know, just hearing you share and talk about what it's like, I think you really have to get to that place where it becomes a spiritual journey and discovery of self and acceptance of self and then acceptance of other people. And just what you were sharing earlier is really a story of love and learning how to truly love deeper and unconditionally. And we usually love conditionally, not unconditionally. 
And so it's all, how can we then as parents or as friends or as siblings or, you know, any type of being in the world, learn how we can love deeper so that we can actually really be with people and be accepting. And so, you know, if someone wants to be known by a certain pronoun, then accepting that they want that and being willing to give that to them because that's what they're asking for. It's not about us. It's about them. Mm -hmm. It's creating a safety and, and it's creating a world which they feel like they belong. And I think that um, really being able to use different types of pronouns and genders is teaching us to be able to do that in the world, to be able to give to another being what they need to feel like there is belonging and inclusion inclusion and acceptance of who they are in the world. And that is a, we really look at that from a deeper perspective. That's a really beautiful thing. And just like you said, all anybody ever wants is really to be loved. And right. so that is really made to give love to anyone and everyone, right? Not just, yeah. you know, even to your partner. Love everybody. That is, that, that is a huge thing. And, and give, you know, giving people what it, whatever it is they need. Right. right. What has that been for you, Zai? I just wanted to hear what your feeling is about acceptance and what would you share with parents and from your perspective, you went through challenging, you went through challenging times with your mom too. So what made that, and you did share what it made it different that you just eventually saw her trying, uh, but you still had to make some turn around the corner in order to even see that. Yeah. Cause you could have stayed so, angry. I think really when it comes down to it, it's like my advice for parents would just be to, especially when it comes to gender that you don't actually, and for anyone, actually, you don't actually need to understand exactly what someone means when they're talking about their gender, like just honoring like the, the name or the label that they are asking means so much. And like, even if you don't understand that just the being able to see the effort makes the most difference I think for me, like I did, I didn't want to lose my mom. I think part, honestly, I think part of it, I could see her, her efforts had, had kind of changed and it was less like, why are you making me do this to oops? Okay. I'll get it next time. And that's what I needed. I just needed to be, I didn't want to be blamed for being who I was and I think that's another thing that parents should know is like, it's not, your kid is not trying to upset you by being trans. That is like the opposite. I think it's just like, if you're a parent and your kid comes out to you, understand that that is them trying, trying desperately to be close to you. And to push that away is to push away your, your kid wanting to be close with you. Yeah. Another um, point in there what uh so one of the one of the problems that i was having was the walking on eggshells thing where it's like okay you gotta put this thing in this particular way because if you don't zion's gonna be pissed and then you wanting to try and ask something but you don't know how to how to how to put it and there's been a lot of stuff for me that 
Um, I mean, I, I can't think of anything in particular right now, but I know it was like a whole bunch of stuff that I would have loved to ask or, you know, I'm saying something, but I can't really say it the way I'd want to say it because I'm walking on eggshells. Because So I felt a lot of, I can't really say, I felt a lot of, a lot of times where I couldn't really be authentic to myself yeah. in order to, in order to support Zion. I could see that. So that's, that's the part I would love to figure out how to make it easier for, for parents and their, and their children to actually both be out there. I mean, you know, Zion pushing the, okay, I want this, I want this, I want this is being true to themselves but I couldn't be true to myself to sort of say, Hey, this is what it feels like when I'm, that. when I'm yeah. trying to do that. And, and for me, that part of the, the thing was, was taking a lot of effort. And I didn't feel that that was appreciated. So when, when Zion and I had that, you know, that separation thing, which is, which was initiated by Zion, I was just heartbroken. I mean, it, it was just really, really hard because I couldn't say, I didn't have the opportunity to say anything about how I was feeling about that because I was like wrong already. And I think, you know, part of the thing is like acknowledge like what, you know, like my feelings are real too, or my experiences also are real thing you know, trying, trying to, trying to get these two sides, uh, together. So I'm not sure, you know, like Zion, what you, what you would say is to say to, to, to people that are on the younger side to, you know, approaching their families, how you would say to do it, but that that's one thing that I think is, um, not really sort of acknowledged, like, okay, so understanding where the parents are coming from and what they're having to deal with to try and meet you yeah so it's acceptance on both sides it's like the the child tends to want the parent to accept them accept them but the child also the parent also wants to be accepted by the child and so it's like how do you start to bridge that relationship so that both sides can accept so that you can just ask the question to understand, to, to gain understanding without having to censor how you ask the question. Once you can have the conversation, then you can go back and start to learn how to understand how to change the way you ask the question so that it's more accepting or more inclusive language or more belonging language because you don't have that language and you don't have that language up front to be able to begin to have that conversation authentically in the beginning you need to learn that but you can't learn that until you start to have the conversation so there's got to be some place in the middle for both sides to be able to come together to have the conversation so I couldn't do that until I actually got a confirmation from you that you actually Mm. believed me Mm. otherwise like it just felt oppressive. I just couldn't because I, I didn't feel seen whatsoever. And then once you made that change over where you showed to me that you understood that it wasn't a hobby, it wasn't something that I was choosing actively, this isn't a choice. That's when, that's when I could have a, a whole lot more patience for you. So you notice now when you misgender me, I don't get furious. Sometimes I'm like, do you mean they? 
but I don't get mm. furious anymore. And there's a reason for that. It's because I now know that you are actually understanding that it's not a choice and it's not an interest. It's just who I am. I still have to live in my own damn body. And that is harder. I can guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the, the balance that I need, the give mm-hmm. and take, right. Is I need to be acknowledged that it's not an interest. It's not a hobby. It's who I am. And you need the patience for me to be like, to be able to ask questions and to be able to, to mess up and, and then fix it. So those two things like need to happen at the same time. But before that happened, before that acknowledgement happened, it couldn't, it couldn't happen that way. And I was just hitting a wall, like I said, because I, you didn't believe me is how I, I think felt. part, I think the, 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 I didn't believe you part. I, I actually don't remember any of this, <laughs> any of this stuff. Conveniently. But yeah. <laughs> And that is not seriously not a convenient thing, but I'm trying to put my head into why I would have said something like compared it to, to, to doing drum circles. Is it, I'm just sort of thinking it through now that the, the thing of, um, you know, sometimes I would get all just sort of upset because, you know, not talking about your situation, but me, if someone, someone has sort of put me in a role and I, I don't like being this role, like me telling people, look, you want the potluck thing? You talk to Aaron. I'm not the person to, and I'm just like totally like I'm not doing that. And it, it's a phase that I went through, and then I sort of go through the thing where yeah, I might like to make the salads for the potluck, right? But I guess for me, it's like my life's sort of going through in phases, and I'm just like, you know, you know, one day I'm like totally into gardening, and then and then that that gradually fades out, and now I'm into this thing might sound like I'm still doing the same thing, but I, I just think that in, in, in our lives, it's various stages of whatever it is we're doing. We, we go through phases and that's the way I saw it at the time. Cause I couldn't really, in my experience, I went through that kind of phase. There's times when I, you know, like to be glamorous all the time at work. And then there's times when I'm just like, I'm not the glamorous one. So if and I may inter- interject for a second, I think what's really interesting, and I, I do, I can, as I sit in the middle, because I can understand both sides um, from where both of you are coming from, what happens is that the, the, you know, if the brain is given an experience of something that it has no, no preconceived idea or notion or, or, or prior experience to, it automatically is going to try to attach that new thing to something it already knows. This yeah, is well, just the way it works. And so by you hearing Zai's, how Zai feels, you went into trying to compare it to um, something you already know that ended up being feeling like an insult to Zai, but it's the only experience you had to relate it to. So like, for instance, I worked with women that had eating disorders many, many years ago. I did this work with women, helping them to get back and feel more comfortable in their bodies. And one of the things that they, and so what I compare that to, because I, it's really hard to understand someone who has eating disorder literally cannot help themselves, okay? But I compared it to was me not wanting to eat chocolate cake. Like, mm. you know, knowing the chocolate cake's in the freeze in the fridge, but I can't eat that that chocolate cake, right? Like, 
So, and, and so that was very a light idea of, um, being able to, to relate to it, but it was the only thing I could do in my own brain to be able to understand on any level, the experience, even though it was not at all like their experience, but that's what I had to do for myself. So that's how you did it for yourself in order to relate to Zai. But unfortunately Mm. at the time, Zai heard it as an insult, but that's not what you meant it, but it was the only way your brain could relate in any way to the experience that Zai was sharing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. it. That's what was happening. Totally. it. Yeah. I think this is a great conversation and I, I, I love it because I think that it's really so authentic in sharing what a parent might would be, might be going through hearing that their child is trans and non-binary or uh, have decided change their identity. I think that that um, really does shift for them in so many ways that um, it's, it's just noting, just watching the relationship and you all sharing, you know, such a personal experience um, is really, really been great. So I just want to say thank you so much. And um, yeah, it was just gave, it's given me a lot to think about. And um, I really enjoy the parts about being able to love deeper and more acceptance and yeah, it's just really beautiful and really, just really, really beautiful. So thank you. Thank you. I feel like this was, yeah, I think this was a good conversation too for us to have also with somebody else here because we've never had a conversation like this with a third person. So it, it, but I think it's actually easier with a third person. (laughs) Very therapeutic, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've said things here that I've never, it's almost like I didn't have the courage to say design. Oh, wow. Um, I will say this, from hearing what I've heard from Abby, I just feel like as a mom, I need to say to you, Zai, that I know that she was not trying to not accept you, not hear you, and not see you, even though that's what you felt at the time. It was just her trying to figure out how to relate it back to something so that she could see you, love you, and accept you, even though she didn't use the right words or the right experiences. It was, you were watching her work through what you were sharing. And I also see where Zai had to cut you off in order to work through what they were experiencing. And, but the love was still there, right? Like it had to happen the way it happened. The love was very apparently there. Um, but I had to cut you off in order to move through to really accept their own life so that they can come back into the relationship with you and, and also to be strong enough to look at you and say, okay, I can see you now too. Right. Like Mm. that had to happen on two sides. And that's the whole thing of the, you know, the matter of trust to know that, okay, someone's going to take space and they're going to come back. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, very, very powerful. So yeah, I feel honored to have been part of this conversation and to be able to spend time with the two of you in this way. It's like, it's, I wish I was closer because I could hug both of you yeah. <laughs> and really spend more time because it's really been amazing. I want to say oh. thank you. And um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I love you, mom. And you know I that. Love you, baby. <laughs> Send you both so thank much you. love. And um, thank you so much. 
Thank you. Well, that concludes this episode, and I hope that you learned a thing or two from listening to Abby and Zai's conversation. And I hope now you can move through the world with a little bit more openness in your heart and begin creating safe spaces for other people. I am going to share with you all that I'm a little challenged by getting my episodes weekly or even bi-weekly. COVID has made things really challenging for me and working full time. And so I can promise to get an episode out at least once a month. I have a couple of episodes recorded coming up and they're gonna be really quite interesting. So I hope that you will continue to look for my next episodes and continue listening. And thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. I'm your host, Donnie O, and thank you for listening to Move Through and With Heart.